Thank you guys for paying attention to another episode of Freddy's World. Before we get into this episode, I just want to give a shout out to one of my sponsors, Mainline Truth. Mainline Truth Consulting. What they do, there's life coaching. Believe that there is no time to waste waiting for accidental success. Pretty much they've been serving the greater Twin Cities with affordable pricing and the best lifestyle development that the company offers. So, and it's totally possible to structure your life to encounter happiness every day. So if there's something what you guys are interested in or you guys looking for a life coach in general, just go to www.mainlinetruth.com and check my friends out. Now let's get into this episode. Thank you for still tuning in to this episode. This episode is going to be called Mental Health Sober Sobriety. I got one of my longtime friends here who I haven't seen in so long, Nick. So Nick, go ahead and let some of the people know who you are. Hey, thanks, Freddie. I appreciate it here. So my name is Nicholas LaFlem. I was born in Edina, Minnesota. Uh, grew up in East St. Paul. Shout out to all my people in East St. Paul out there. Um, but I've been all through the Twin Cities here. Uh, you and I know each other from back in the days of Tropics, back in the days when we were having fun, young studs and stallions, uh, excited about life, excited to see how things are going. Uh, as you know, there are various seasons and levels to life, and it's going to be fun to get involved with this uh, and talk about this topic, about life, uh, sobriety, uh, and so many other things in life that we go through. So I thank you for having me on your show. No problem at all. Um, I figure this is a topic that we have to talk about, um, especially in mental health, because I have people in my family that suffer from mental health. And there's also people out here that who we know or people who we don't know that are struggling to get sober. So this episode is going to be for you guys. We want to make sure you guys know the path, where to go to get help, listen to some of Nick's stories, maybe a trigger like, hey, this guy went through the same thing I did, so I want to go get the help. And we just want to let you guys know that it's okay if you guys relapse. Absolutely. Oh, go ahead. I thought you were going to no, say something. No, no, no. Uh, and I, I'm co-signing and backing up what Freddie's saying. It's okay if you relapse. It's okay if you're hurting uh, on the inside and you don't know how to express it. Uh, we all go through struggles. We all go through things in our life, you know, uh, and a lot of that stuff can be hidden in the dark. And so hopefully a show like this, um, which I commend Freddie for, uh, he's doing an amazing service and he is being a light to the world to so many people who either he knows are hurting or, the, or they're not. And we just want you to know it's okay. It's okay to not be okay in life, and we love you, and hopefully this touches one person's soul today and can help change somebody's life. And if it touches more, uh, man, to God be the glory, and uh, to people and humanity to move in love and uh, to be your best. Huh? All right, well, before we start the show, you want to start the show with a prayer? Because I know you're a religious <laughs> man now, so, I mean, yeah. why why not, man? Let's, yeah. let's start it all right. Let the Lord bless us. Absolutely. So... Heavenly Father, Lord, I just want to welcome you here uh, to this moment, Lord. We know that there are so many people out here in the world who are hurting, Lord, either people who know you or people who don't know you, Lord. But we just ask that you bring peace, uh, you bring restoration and healing to every individual who is under my voice, Lord. If there are uh, any areas that people need you, Lord, we ask that you just show up. You show up in their life, whether they know you or not, whether they've accepted you or not. Uh, we know that you are for the good of everyone here on this earth, and we want people to know they are loved, they're cared for, and that there's always a better way and there's always a better day. So if they're uh, struggling, if you're even thinking about maybe something like suicide, 
And just know that there are many different routes and many different people who are willing to help, who love you, who care about you. And we pray that the Lord blesses everybody underneath my voice. We thank you. Amen. Amen. And amen from the congregation, my brother. <laughs> that, that was beautiful. That was beautiful. So, yeah. So, we just go ahead and get started. Talk about your trials and tribulations and all what you had to go through from from beginning to where you at now. So, man. And that's a huge, huge uh <laughs> A huge testimony, but what I will start is this. Um, I was born to uh, Nina LaFlemme and George Wiley. Um, my mom came from a very, very good family in Edina, Minnesota. Um, originally, they were from Philadelphia and uh, came here. Um, she actually grew up in a household, though, even though they were successful. Uh, my grandpa was a little bit of abusive to my grandmother, so she ends up leaving my grandpa um, meets a very, very successful contractor in the Dyna Richfield area. Um, and from that point on, my mom lived in a, the best of best. I mean, you know, she lived in Edina, old money, old school money. Um, he was a contractor through Richfield Edina, and he also did some things in Sanibel Island, Florida. He built 30 places there. So my mom was used to spending uh, summers and time in Sanibel. Okay. <laughs> and, um, the the story for her was, and you can see where this started, she had a sister, and her sister was a beautiful bombshell. And my grandma was also a model, too. So my mom um, didn't feel like she matched up. Super smart woman, um, had a lot of potential. And she was beautiful in her own right, but she didn't believe that. So what happens if we don't believe that? Um, we can start to have very self-destructive behavior and... This can lead to a lot of things, a lack of self-confidence, a lack of self-love, and eventually those beliefs uh, can feed into um, a lot of things and, and oftentimes, unfortunately, a lot of negative things like alcohol abuse, etc. Um, same side with my, my, grand, or my father. My father, uh, born to a very, very educated black woman back in the days where she came from Jackson, Mississippi. You and I both know there was a moment in time where black women were not educated or it was frowned upon. Oh, especially in Jackson. My grandmother's from Jackson, Mississippi. So I, I know the times down in Jackson was tough, especially during the civil rights movement. Absolutely. You know, when African-Americans couldn't even sit on the bus, go to the lunch counter. I mean, some of you guys already know the history, but if you don't, feel free to... Grab a history book, or hell, ask one of your black friends. You know, we'll we'll be we'll be happy to teach you. Absolutely, we'll be happy to learn you. You know, so when did you um start consuming alcohol? Was that at a young age? Because I know with me, I started drinking probably about like my senior year of high school. You know, um, right. me me and my buddy Fitzy. What up, Fitzy? Um, <laughs> we were we were Richfield cats. You know, so. And I remember we used to go out to graffitis way oh, back geez. in the day, yes. Man. Before we hit the tropics, we were 16. Right. So when you were 16, you go to graffitis. Then you turn 17, 18, you went to tropics. Now, if I remember, <laughs> wasn't graffitis uh, Prince's old place at one point? No, it was like where Sneaky Peach was way yeah. back in the day. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. where Sneaky Peach was way back in the day. I don't know if it was... I know that was, that was Grand, Grand, Grand Slam, yeah. Okay, so I think it was Grand Slam before, and then it ended up going to like Quest afterwards in Quest, yeah. Yeah, because I know Graffiti's, like I said, it has 16+, plus, which they don't have now, thank God. But, oh, yeah, that was the first time I'm, I came in contact with alcohol, you know. I mean, me and my buddy Fitzy with a bottle of Bacardi, you know. Um, <laughs> 
You know, glow-in-the-dark pager when the black light hit at graffitis, you know, hair and bone chain, you know, the curls was rocking. Yes, I used to have hair. My hair was natural curly, and Nick would tell you, my, my locks were luscious, curls for the girls all day, every day, but that was the first time I came in contact with alcohol, you know, just... Right. Like my part of my senior year of high school, you know. And I'm almost positive you were a spokesman for Soul Glow. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, you know, I'm, I'm right with you on that, man. I um, you know, kind of rewinding it real quick. I think before we step into alcohol abuse and things of that nature, um, I'd like to point out that oftentimes addiction isn't just because people are, are flat out like alcoholics, though it is true. There are plenty of people who love alcohol and crave it. Most of the time, there seems to be a, uh, a direct factor that leads up to that. And so I think part of that could be broken house homes or house, house homes, households, um, individuals who um, lack confidence or who are rejected, wanting to fit in. Um, th- there's numerous things. Um, you know, let's even step out into more of a severe area. Unfortunately, people have had uh, situations where they were raped or molested. Uh, somebody in the family was taking advantage of them or doing some things that they shouldn't have been doing. And bless every single person's heart in those situations. Those are tough things to get over. And so we get formed at a young age where we go through these severe traumatic situations and we don't learn how to handle them healthy. So what do we do? We find alcohol. We find relationships with men and women. Yeah, some people turn to drugs, you know, so they could cope with all that. Absolutely. You know, and that's a part of my story that you'll hear, I'm sure, here in a bit. But um, we, we look... We look for a comforter, and this is, I guess, where my faith would come in. <laughs> yes. Um, I didn't know that there was someone who cared about me well beyond my parents and friends and everything else, and it took me many, many, many years to get to that point. But when I did, that was life-changing. Okay, so I do have a question for you. Um, how did you become an alcoholic? Um, was it just something just working in the industry? Because like I said, we met, <laughs> we, we met during the tropics phase when I was... 17 so do you think that had something to do with it just being in the industry at such a young age or yeah oh that that definitely um the peer pressure uh i actually the first time i ended up at tropics i got my job through john mears because i ended up um getting into a fight in the back area and after seeing me uh, unfortunately get into this fight john was like holy crap do you want a job and so yeah. i got in there yes. and now you're catapulted into this position where people look up to you and now all of a sudden there's drinking and there's cocaine and there's beautiful women and there's all these different types of dynamics that are coming at you and being a person who's growing into my own person uh you know i mean it was great but uh it was probably a little bit overwhelming you know you're you're stepping into an adult's arena and you're still a baby per se you know um yeah i I can agree with that because i know when i started going to traffics and started working there it was kind of like i had like the power you know (laughs) like it was just like oh you know, you work at Tropic because there wasn't really too many 18 to 21 clubs that popped off like no, Tropics back in the day, man. And 
like I said, thank God they don't have it now because I don't think these kids would know how to act and appreciate it oh like we did. But <laughs> <laughs> hey, I tell you what, man, I used to love seeing my guy Freddie here. Man, he would be dressed to a T and ready to show off, boy. <laughs> and he was a great looking person and always had the greatest smile. So there's a lot of good things uh, to those experiences, but there's also some negative things, which is where uh, we're kind of at today, wanting to talk about the core of all that and the destruction that comes with it. Yeah, and I, I totally, I totally agree with you on that, um, Nick. So, um, just go ahead and let them know, like the trials and tribulations that you had to go through to get clean and sober, to find the faith in God. Um, how would you like to start that off, Jess? So, I think it's important to give uh, our listeners an idea of what this looked like and how I got to it, but I'll keep that brief. So. Um, my father chose to go a different route and my father was old school gd you know back in the day being a part of a gang and and going to church and stuff through that now we're not talking about christian church we're talking about about, you know hardcore street Street church church, yeah um unfortunately he didn't follow after my grandma who was a very um successful 30 years in the saint paul public school district um He was very abusive to my mom. And so I watched at five years old my mom get beat, dragged across a parking lot. I seen drug dealing going on on a regular basis, Mm -hmm. South Minneapolis and in St. Paul. Um, And then fast forwarding through, he he ended up doing a lot of time for prison, robberies, aggravated robberies. Um, So then my mom dates a couple people, ends up with my stepdad, James, bless his heart, uh, coming out of his own demonic situations methamphetamines drugs uh kind of a biker type of guy so i grew up in a very abusive home um on the outside uh everything looked good you know played sports had nice clothes had nice stuff in my room uh but nobody knew what was going on inside of the house the abuse uh you know there was a point where a babysitter had taken advantage of a young man myself and you know these type of things really caused a lot of trauma and caused me to not feel safe and later on as you'll find out it builds up into um a reckless addiction that i would have never seen coming and i think earlier you asked you know where did i start drinking so for me I was pretty much grounded all the time until I was 18 years old. (laughs) And part of that was because my parents were in active addiction Mm -hmm. and they cared about me. So they wanted to make sure that I I was around and safe. But part of that was, oh, you're talking back? Good. You're grounded two weeks. Like, what? Yeah. Yeah, I wish I wish I would have got that. My mom would had the belt. We got the, <laughs> we got the belt. But, I mean, my mom's a. I mean, I love my mom to death. I mean, shout out to my mom, Charlene. You shout know, I mean, moms. I mean, my mom raised two African American boys by herself, coming from Gary, Indiana. Oh, man. So, man, Gary, Indiana was a rough area, but she always made everything positive. My mom very hardworking, made sure my brother and I had everything. Amen. And we, she made sure if she got that respect, and, and to this day. I respect my mom because my mom, I mean, the kids got the child abuse line. I, I mean, if we would have had that, my mom would be still be in prison right now. I'm going to tell you something right now. We had to go out there and pick our own switches man, off the tree. I had to do that too, man. Strip it down. And I, I've seen <laughs> frying pans, crutches. Man. I mean, I've seen a lot of crap that happened, man. So I'll tell you, it it definitely shaped me moving into my adult years. Yeah, and I remember my mom said something to me that, was, that still stuck with me as a little kid. My mom, I was acting up somewhere. 
I know we're going off, we're going back to the topic in a little bit, but my mom said something to me that still stands in my in my mind. I was acting up, and my mom looked at me and said she ain't afraid to commit another homicide. And I was just like, wait a minute, what you you did one or what? Like what? Let me tell you something, folks. For some of you listeners out there, you may identify with this, you may not, but dealing with a strong black woman is a very difficult situation when you messed up in life. And you knew it because when she gave you that look, man, you lit back, and you're going to end up with a real rough day the rest of the day. <laughs> man, like I said, we got the belt, the stension cord, the flash water, the, the shoe, Nintendo controller, thermos, like water, like whatever my mom could get her hands on to whoop our ass. We got it. Fried bacon grease. <laughs> man. And the I have the type of mom, like I said, strong black woman. Uh, my mom, uh, when it didn't work out with my father, she dated man, you know. And my mom made sure my brother and I was safe, you know. And my, uh, if you if you see meet my mom, my mom, I love my mom to death. But you'll look at her, you'll be like, I'm sure she threw some hot grits on the nigga back in the day. One of his days. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, I, I'm having flashbacks, folks. Of uh, <laughs> you know, one time I, I had pissed my mom off, and she was bringing my food, and and she had said something funny to my stepdad, and she goes, "Nicholas, what did I say?" And I repeated, "I you talk too much and you eat too much." And, <laughs> Everybody started laughing at her, and I turned around, and there was literally a plate of f- food going right <laughs> in my face. And so, you know, even though it's funny, because even though my mom was white, um, she had a lot of respect because she grew up with a lot of black women from the South okay. Side. Yeah, so do. she had a little bit of that black swag with her, and she wasn't playing around. She, okay. she'll tear that ass up if you get out of line. Okay, yeah. So, so you, so you, so she wasn't all about the timeouts. Uh. <laughs> Sometimes the timeouts came in the form of physical timeouts. Yeah, yeah, shit. My mom, the timeout for my mom was like getting that off my ass. Right? Right. No, I get it, man. All right, let's get back on the subject now. We got a little off track, but yep. so for me, um, it started fun. Okay. So I, I, you know, played sports. Uh, you know, I was a pretty good athlete. Uh, I remember my grades were terrible, and I think that my grades suffered and my actions suffered because of the things I was dealing with at home. Oftentimes, I'd have uh, the police would show up to our house quite a few times through the year, and it was like that for eight or nine years. And I wouldn't get a lot of sleep, and so as you can imagine, my outlet at school was tacked crazy. Well, fast forward, I decided to go play junior college baseball because my grades weren't good enough to accept some rides and offers that were there. So I do go up, uh, and now I'm in a whole different world. And now I'm really good at baseball. We have the fourth ranked team in the country. We unbelievable guys. And now it's initiation night, you know. And this was my real first, like, experience with drinking. Now, at this point, I'd been smoking a little weed and stuff, but nothing too crazy. You know, just kind of, you know, spreading my wings in the party scene, you know. And I remember the euphoria of me and another rookie um, just doing keg stands and getting hammered. Oh, man. (laughs) And I felt invincible. And so... Proceed. We have a great year. Um, we go what twenty two and six on the year. You know, um, personally wise, things are great. But now I- I'm drinking on a regular basis. Now I have the confidence to meet girls and stuff because you know before I was a very shy person. You know, in all reality, it was a tale of two different sides and two different extremes. You know, uh, in some areas I was accepted, in some areas I wasn't. And I can tell you that if it wasn't for the fact that I knew how to fight good. I probably would have gotten messed with a lot more. But because of that, it seemed like it kept the wolves at bay. Yeah. So, that, you know, um, 
it wasn't always uh even though i was good at sports it wasn't always what you would think it is a person who's good at sports normally super popular everybody loves them um i got along with everybody but i really didn't identify with any certain group even with the sports guys like i mean we had great guys who played but they would go off and party i i actually don't think i ever went to one party with uh, the top players on our sports teams ever so it gives you kind of an idea okay of what that looked like for me so um i get to drinking i remember coming back to the next summer and we were going to go back up for football was the whole tropics thing and uh Without saying too much, <laughs> yeah, we don't want to incriminate. Yeah, we can't incriminate anybody. We I should do a tropics episode, though. I mean, I mean, or we, or we should at least like pen and paper, make it make it a movie, and then pitch it to Netflix. Because I'm not gonna lie, tropics was some of the funnest. Was fun, but at the same time, I saw a lot, and Man. and I'm just gonna leave it at that. <laughs> you know what? I grew up at tropics. I'll tell you yeah. that much. I definitely went from being a young adolescent to a grown adult and understanding how things work. But I remember coming back that summer, and I remember walking back in, and I'm thinking to myself, like, damn, like everybody's here drinking a lot of water and <laughs> not dancing as much as as they used to. And and mind you, this is around 2001, and this is this is kind of when ecstasy exploded. Yeah. And so I, I, I ran into two people I know. We'll just keep it at that. And uh, shortly after, I found myself um, running around at raves, going to parties, hanging out with a ton of women, uh, you know, running with some of my best guys. Um, I'll leave their names out of this. Yeah, we're, we're, we're not trying to incriminate nobody. The names will be left out. But if some of y'all are listening to this, we know who you are and your name is safe. We'll take it to the grave unless I get that Netflix money. My number is 612-422. You can send payments whenever you want. Otherwise, I'm exposing you. <laughs> no, um, but back to the seriousness here. Um that was kind of, even though I didn't know it was, it was kind of the beginning of the end. Now, shortly before I actually had did ecstasy, we were at a friend's house in Roseville, and I remember trying coke for the first time. And that was, by all means, I, I want to say this. Some people will tell you, being an addiction, um, like my, my best night of addiction was, you know, uh, my uh, never as good as my worst day sober. And I want to be like, you're a damn liar, because I had a lot of really... <laughs> Good times, all right? Now, I'm not going to glorify addiction, all right? But um, clearly, those people weren't hanging out with the right people. Because if you're hanging out with the right people, dude, going out and being responsible and mature can be a good time. But there is a point where um, it takes a really nasty turn for a lot of people. I agree with that. And you start to see the ugly face of addiction. And you start to see the ugly face of broken people who are hurting and who didn't have a chance to heal correctly or um, just started making the wrong decisions. And I don't necessarily think that a lot of these people are bad people. They just made really, really bad choices. Bad choice. I agree with that. And so um, I started my my path on making bad choices. And um, the truth of the matter was is is that um, I always was a really nice person. I just was hurting inside. And hurting inside from so many things that I only shared with a few people. And at the core of that, I didn't feel loved. I didn't feel, um, I didn't love myself. Let's let's even shed a light on that. Man. Yeah, you gotta, you, gotta, you gotta learn to love yourself, man. That's very important. Yeah, I, um, and I didn't learn self-love until my mid-30s. 
I, I didn't learn how to even start that path of self-love till my mid-30s. And most people would look at me. I, you know, did the Junior Royalty Winter Carnival with, with Mayor uh, yeah. <laughs> um, Melvin Carter. And so you look at a person like that. And, you know, I, college, I was homecoming prince. You look at a person like that and you say, this kid's had every opportunity to have success and do well. How in the hell do you end up becoming an addict? And even going from one point of, at one point in my life, um, having plenty of money and, and doing all right to a point where I even was in the streets homeless, like, and not for like an extended amount of time, but, um, my choices and my poor negative thinking brought me to a place that I would have never, ever in a billion years imagined I would have seen myself. And I can actually tell you a story, um, and out of respect, I won't say his name, but there is a very prominent fighter from the Twin Cities who fought at a major level in the heavyweight division. And I can remember seeing him a day before I, I cleaned up for good. And I looked at him and I said, how does two guys like us end up in situations like this? And this is the first time I mean, this dude's fought some of the best in the world. And this big boy cried. And I looked at him and said, I don't know about you, but like either two things are going to happen. Either I'm going to die because I'm not going to sit here and live like this or if something's going to happen. I'm going to rise up and fight and make a better life for myself. And, and eventually that's what happened. Well, I shouldn't say eventually the next day. Yeah. <laughs> next day I got myself into the hospital, uh, went and got me some rest and prayed very, very deeply to God saying, I don't know what we got to do to get this right. I don't, you know, again, I know you're real, but I don't, I don't see you often or see you even show up. I need your help. And let me tell you, man, he definitely showed up in a big way. The universe will uh, take care of us if we're willing to take care of ourselves. So, yeah. And for, I just want to commend you for, um, sharing your story on this podcast because I want, like I said in the previous episode, I want this podcast to not only be entertaining, but also be able to help people. So this is one of the episodes I am very proud of because you're here sharing your story. Hopefully somebody is listening to this and they can be like, oh man, he's been where I've been. If he's able to clean up, do this and clean up, I can do it as well. Well, and I and, that, and what he's saying is awesome, and I, I love his heart on on this subject. I want to get to the core of this, though, and I think mental health yes. is the core of this. Um, yes, there are some people who've had great lives and great families, and alcoholism is real, addiction is real. Um, but if I had to be a, a betting man on the stats, and I would be willing, even though I haven't looked them up, you can go look them up for yourself. You're going to find out that mental health is so much of a bigger issue. And we've had such a dark asterisk on mental health. Because if you have mental health problems, you just, can, you kind of listed as crazy. Absolutely. Crazy, yeah. defunct, Funct, yeah. something's not right with you. you know. And so... Who wants to be labeled like that? We're all in this world. It seems like sometimes it's a competition and we're trying to like be the best we can, but we're trying to be better than other people so we can shine. Well, sometimes that shine can be very counterproductive to the masses because it creates this false reality. And the truth is, is, is that many of us suffer from depression. Many of us suffer from anxiety. Many of us have plenty of weaknesses, character defaults in our life where um, we, some do a good job of hiding them, some don't. But we all in some form or fashion suffer. And 
we should be encouraging each other, empowering each other, loving each other, lifting each other up and saying, it's okay. It's okay that you're hurting. It's okay that you don't feel right in your head. I'm not going to laugh at you. I'm going to love you. And I'm going to let you know that there's a better day ahead. There's always a better day ahead. And and I don't think enough people know that or believe that. You know, I think um, our society and our system, and, and, and this is with all due respect, I might piss some people off, but um, we accept mediocrity. Oh, I, I agree with you on that. Yeah. We, I mean, we, we really do. It, it's okay to just be halfway decent, but I'm here to tell you with Freddie that you can be anything you want to be, and the sky's the limit. The only ceiling that you're going to hit is the ceiling you put on your own self and your own limitations. But if you truly believe and you truly take the action and prepare yourself, there's not a single thing that you can't do in this world. And I'm a 100% believer of that. And the reason why I say that is because I've been to rock bottom a few times. All right. And if God can take me and, and clean a person like myself up multiple times and bring me from the gutter. What can he do for other people? Because I'm nobody special. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I have some gifts. Yeah, I did some things good. All right. But this takes effort. This takes work. This takes loving yourself. This takes valuing yourself. This takes being honest with yourself in the mirror. And it also takes uh, a reality of being the person you were created to be and being able to embrace that and find out what that really looks like. Because a lot of people, I don't think, know what that looks like. But again, this is all my opinion. I'm not a professional. I'm just a person who's had a lot of experiences. And my heart is to empower people to raise up and be better than they are today. I, I agree with you on that. That's what we what we have to do no matter what you're going through. Just remember, tomorrow's a new day. Absolutely. Tomorrow's a new day. Just because you had a bad day on Monday, who says Tuesday can't be spectacular for you? Man, Tuesday can be amazing, especially if there's tacos. Yeah, Taco Tuesdays, <laughs> man. I love Taco Tuesdays. You know, something else, uh, you know, Freddie had touched here, and, and, and feel free to chime in on, on your feelings with this, but um, when a person decides to clean their act up, I think sometimes we think it's this magic genie in the bottle experience. Like, oh, I'm going to get clean. I decided today, poof, I'm clean and I'm done. There are very few people who can mentally say, I'm done and I'm going to kick the world's butt. And then actually do it. Yeah, a prime example of that. Look at Robert Downey Jr., man. Man. Like, look what he's done. Like, from before and now, he's Iron Man. And he's, he's doing a new Dr. Doolittle movie that's going to be coming out really? as well. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, but he's a prime example of somebody that was rock bottom. I mean, look at all the times in the early 90s he got arrested for drugs. Oh, my God. And booze. And look at him now. He, I think he's a damn good example. Now, now, I could be wrong, but I think Charlie Sheen's actually a couple years sober from what they said. Yeah. And so, I mean, and if, if uh, he can hang out with the goddesses and smoke quarter ounces of crack in one hit, I mean, anybody <laughs> can change, right? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people that have, um, that hit rock bottom and rolls like a phoenix, you know. I mean, look at yourself, man. I mean, look at all you've been through and you pretty much rise from the ashes, my friend. I'll tell you what, um, it took a it's been a long road and it's still uh the process of sanctification as we talk about in church uh the peeling of layers and being able to strip uh down it's a process and uh if you continue to stick with it it gets better and gets better but it it has to start from within I, i truly am a believer whether you believe in god 
whether you believe in Buddha, like whatever your faith or, or belief is, everything that you need starts from within you. And it starts from deep inside. So you can't look to a girlfriend. You can't look to your family members. And bless every single mom and dad out there who loves their kids. Continue to love them. Don't give up. I know it's tough. I know you want to just scream and go nuts. But your love is going to help them see the love inside of them. And that's what a lot of people need to see. They need to know that they, they are worthy of all the great things that can be achieved here. And what happened yesterday has no effect today. We were just talking about this. Yes. And also, if you have some friends that are struggling with this and need help, feel, reach out to your friends, you know, as well. You know, let them know they're not in this by themselves, that you're, you're right there with them. You know, and I just think that's what people need to feel is the love and just say, hey, I have somebody that's not only rooting for me, but I can reach out to and it's going to be with me every step of the way. Absolutely. You know, I think that holds a lot when you have a friend that's like, hey, man, we're in this together. I got you. Absolutely. Let's, let's just do this. We were created for connection. Yes. We were created for love. If you look at all the religions of the world, the one common denominator is love. Treating people as as your own. Um, I think in the Bible it talks about uh, they were trying to trip Jesus up, right? And the, yeah. And the two top commandments were to love Lord God with all your heart, all your soul. I'm paraphrasing here, folks. Yeah. Um, but the next one was to love your neighbor as you love yourself. But maybe that's the problem. Maybe the problem is is that there's a lot of people who don't love themselves well, and so they don't know how to even love their neighbor well because they can't even love themselves well. But if we loved ourselves on an amazing level, and then we could give that type of love to other people, what could this world be like? Man, this world would be amazing. It would be. You know, and sometimes you have people that don't know how to love because they have so much. I'm mean, trying want to make sure I word, word this correctly. That they have so much that they got hurt. And they don't know how to put the love out themselves. Absolutely. Hurt people hurt people, right? Yes. It's a <laughs> you know, and um, so you had said this earlier, too, and we were talking about this. Um, I use a lot of Bible references, so I don't want people to get pushed off by the spirituality. There's a lot of amazing stories you can take or um, analogies that they use that can be applicable to life these days and that can help us move forward. So one of the stories is about Sodom and Gomorrah. And the whole gist of the story is, is as the warriors were taking them out of the city, all right? And this city, Sodom and Gomorrah, was just rabid. It would have been like tropics on like steroids with the partying. <laughs> and sex. Like, I mean, it was crazy, right? So as they're coming out, the warriors told them to not look back. And if they did, they would turn to stone and die. And unfortunately, um, I think her name's Sarah. I could be wrong. If there's any biblical scholars out there, theologists, you can correct me. Um, but she looks back and she turns to stone and she's dead. And I think the whole, per the whole meaning of that is, is whatever happened back in your past has already happened. All right. Take those lessons, learn them. But when you get to moving forward in your life, do not look back. Because if you look back, it could absolutely um, be that second or that moment where you stumble and fall or in her situation, you actually die. And, and who wants to die from their past? We've already received so much pain and hurt from that. And now we're trying to, to have a better life. So, you know, um, have, a, have a short memory. Move forward, you know. And just remember, your past don't define you. 
at all. I mean, we all done some stupid stuff or shady stuff in our past. I mean, I know I have. I know the next man down the, that lives down the block has. But just remember, your past do not define you. Remember that. Absolutely. I mean, you're, you're man, you know, I'm going to be vulnerable here, which is something that as men, uh, we have a hard time doing. And I, and I also want to encourage men that are listening to this, man, we got to kill all the street stuff. We got to kill all, all the hard mentality. You know what? I respect a man that can protect his lady and protect his family and, and can move in the right areas. But I also can respect a man that can check himself and be sensitive and be vulnerable I think that that's a very important attribute. Sometimes being a man doesn't mean all muscles and bronze, you know? Yeah, speaking as an African-American man, because we were raised hard, you know, because we have obstacles as African-American men that we that we have to overcome as well. I mean, our, our, our fight is a little different. I mean, I know I can hop in my car and just drive the Cub, and it could be that one cop that's having a bad day that could pull me over and just fuck with me for no reason. Absolutely. You know? And you know what? That uh, that reality is a very real reality. I know I have. I, so I'm mixed for people who don't know. I'm black and white. And so I kind of grew up with both sides of it. Like when I was in school, I wasn't a real nigga because I wasn't black and walking around sagging and stuff. But then when it came to my white friends, clearly I looked like I was a different color. And so I never was accepted as a white person. But I can tell you that... Uh, the racial imbalance or prejudice are in society. I can tell you that um, when a cop pulls you over, if you're not kissing their butt <laughs> and like, excuse me, officer, is there something I did wrong? Like, is, there, is, there, is there a problem? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're not like that, um, it's going to be an issue. And I had a couple loudmouth friends, man, who yeah. like love to run their mouth to the cops. And I'm like, yo, man, shut the up, man. I'm not trying to get beat, shot, or even yep. go to jail at this moment. Yep. You know what I mean? I was I was in high school, and I was getting a ride home from a friend. I'm not going to say her name because we're still friends, but if she <laughs> hears this, she's going to crack up. So I was getting a ride home from her. We was doing an after-school project, and we got pulled over in Richfield. And the, and the cop came to the car, and she rolled down the window. She's like, why the fuck did you pull me over for? And oh, I'm just man. sitting here like... Was she white? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm just sitting here looking straight, like seat bellow, just thinking like happy thoughts. And she's like, you don't know who my dad is? And I'm just sitting there like, kumbaya, my lord, jazz. I'm sure Dave Chappelle did a skit like this. Or was it Chris Rock? It was Chris I, Rock. I don't know, but this is it. It was, it was she just said she, she rolled her window. I was like, why the fuck did you pull me over? And I'm just sitting there looking straight like. Okay. <laughs> Happy thoughts. Kumbaya, my lord. I mean, I don't know the rest of the song. Cause we, I mean, but. He was subliminally like, girl, I am black. <laughs> you don't shut up. We're all going down. Nah, I, I got to, I almost got to the point that I almost just opened the car door, like, thanks for the ride, lady, and just like start walking away. <laughs> <laughs> At that moment, they come out and you get shocked. And tased. I know. No, so, um, you know, we're, and we're talking about quite a few different subjects, but you know, even that, I'll tell you what, there are a lot of black men who, because of the social uh, stigma of being black, who 
have fed into the the lies of the world at times. Yeah. And I think that this kind of feeds into all of that. You know, all of a sudden it's like, man, I'm never going to get a job. I'm never going to have an opportunity. So now yeah. it's selling weed, selling, you know, whatever yeah. they got to do and, and trying to get by. And then it ends up being this me against the world. Well, but then you get this negative energy and negative belief system that comes in. And now you're falling into addiction yourself because you're either smoking weed all the time. You're getting drunk all the time. And... I can tell you that in my last relapse, and this is something that I've seen is, is starting to hit the black community now, um, the use of meth, which shocked the crap wow. out of me. But when I was in downtown St. Paul, they, they call it go fast. Wow. And so um, now it's it's gone from what we would say, uh, you know, probably white America for the most part. That would be their label. Like they, they use meth. Um, it, it may be yeah, I, I, I know I'm gonna take a lot of flag for this, but I'll call that the Noka Blaine Coon Rapids drug. <laughs> but, <laughs> hey, listen, anybody who's from them areas, you know it's true. Yeah, all right. So that's the that's the Anoka Bloom, Anoka Blaine Coon Rapids. That's an ABC drug. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, and, and you know we're laughing about it, but let me tell you something. That drug rips the soul out of people's lives. It tears families apart. It tears people apart. It is um. I, I've been around a lot of scenes in my life, and I can tell you by far, it is the most nastiest drug. And I absolutely believe spiritually that it's it's a demonic drug. I've, I've seen some pretty wild stuff. Man, I've seen people's mug shots coming in just online from before on meth and like how the meth takes effect. Yeah. And yeah, and they look like they look like extras from The Walking Dead, man, when they're on there. Especially with the rotten of the teeth, like Absolutely. oh man. You know, so I had been rolling out with some guys who we've been rocking pretty hard and we were on our way out to Mystic Lake Casino because it seems like that's the the fun um I don't know what do you want to say, adventures of a meth addict is to go <laughs> out to the casino. Yeah. Um but I, I remember because Here's the thing, even though I had relapsed, and I, and I had relapsed from my mom's death, and to anybody who is struggling with the loss of a parent, I get it, all right? Um, there's no easy fix. People try to tell you how to, you know, just get over it. Sorry, you don't just get over the death of a loved one, and I think, Freddie, you, yes. you of all people understand this, too, from the loss of your father. Yeah, I I miss my father. Rest in peace, on right? Um, I never met my biological father um he just signed the birth certificate so his name was fred lewis joyce so that's why i don't allow nobody to call me fred okay. because yeah he just signed the birth certificate luckily my mom met a man who stepped up to the plate Amen. and took care of me and that's my father arnold Wright. you know that's the guy that did the job he stepped in for a punk bitch and <laughs> did the job man so so i'm um, resting peace to my father arnold Wright. Hopefully, I made you proud over the years, and I know you're probably looking down, shaking your head at some of the dumb stuff. I probably still do, <laughs> but I just want to let you know you are Miss Pops, and I think there's another stigma when it comes to being an African-American father that oh, yeah. we don't take care of our kids, but there, I just want to give a shout-out to all the black men that are handling their business Amen. and taking care of the kids and brothers, even, even men of all colors. Shout out to you guys, because I want to make sure you guys get your just due. And if the woman is being spiteful and not let you see your kids, keep up the good fight, man. Don't go out there and do nothing stupid. Yeah, you know, it's interesting you just talked about this. There's a state that actually has it going into law that if a woman keeps 
the child from them when it's already been set in law that they're supposed to let them see him, the the wife will actually go to jail and lose the kids. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, they need to do that because I would now women we're not saying that if the if the man's a piece of shit and not take care of his kids, it's not about you. This is talk about the guys that are yeah. actually trying yeah. that that point that's paying the child support that wants to see their kids, but you guys are just being spiteful because a he moved on or b he doesn't want to be with you. Don't be that. No, no. You know my buddy Michael said this today, and and, and I love Michael. Um, he said, "Don't be the girl who's pissed off at me, and so you don't let the kids see you." There comes a point when we have children that the, it's not about you. It's not about me, and. God bless my dude. I have an amazing relationship with my kid's mom and her husband Jason. Jason and Tara are amazing co-parents and parents. And and out and I give shouts out to all um, the families that are multi united together and who are out there doing it together and providing a good life. And you know, Freddie gave a shout out to the men, but I'm gonna give a shout out to all the good women out there who are working hard to provide. Uh, a life for their kids that's better and for the women who aren't being spiteful and who are um moving in forgiveness and and taking the opportunity to say my kid deserves to see his dad or for for some of you guys out there who are the dads you know yeah let the let the kid see the mom if it's if it's the right situation you know absolutely um god we're, we've touched so many subjects and i can tell you again Addiction is tough, all right? And I'm going to tell you something. I, I've done pretty much everything under the sun. I, I ain't gotten to that point of doing Flocka or some of that crazy <laughs> stuff that they're out there doing in D.C. or anything. But I think uh, all of the, the normal stuff that people would have expected to try, um, I've tried. And what I can tell you is, is through my multiple times of experimentation, there's such a better way. And we talked about this earlier. There's so many places. We are in the Mecca, all right, of treatment centers. People come from all over the country to come to Minnesota to get treatment or to go to AA. And our AA family, NA families, are unbelievably huge in the state. Yeah, just a little, uh, won't you name some of the places for some of the listeners? Okay, so um, with AA and NA, unfortunately, we can't we can't promote okay. certain places. So what I would say is is that there's plenty of information out there on the internet. Okay. Uh, if you look up AA, NA, CMA, things of that okay. nature, um, you can Google that. It'll all pop up. Um, with that being said, though, uh, when it comes to treatment centers, there's plenty of treatment centers. I personally have gone to a few of them. Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge. Uh, if you have a faith, a spiritual faith, or if you're looking to go long distance, like you know, a 12-month, 13-month program, this place has been changing people's lives for a long, long time, and they have a very, very high success rate. So um, I know Pastor Terry Francis there, Rick Sherber. Uh, I know a lot of their staff. Um, a lot of their staff are ex-addicts who came through the program oh, wow. and who now uh, work there. Uh, I got a friend named Micah Moline, amazing story, amazing person, been out here on these Minneapolis streets, and he has a phenomenal life and he goes to school talks about know the truth so they talk to younger students okay. junior high high school age and they're doing a great service we also got um 
God, let me think about this. We got Park Avenue. Uh, they got ADAP in St. Paul. Um, in Waverly, they have New Beginnings. So it's the old Hubert H. Humphrey house. Okay. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, out there on the lake. So um, you get to recover in the lake, get away from the cities. Um, they also have something called Rule 25s. All right. Now, these are important. If you are suffering or you know a loved one who's suffering and you're worried about insurance and stuff, Rule 25 will provide the opportunity for your loved ones to go free of cost. That is awesome. Yeah, yeah. So it's it. you, you go in. Each county, you can call up their general information number, and you can ask them uh, the number to the nearest Rule 25 office or people who do that. Uh, schedule an appointment. You go in. They'll do something they call a chemical assessment. And when they do that chemical assessment, they'll determine whether you need to do outpatient, inpatient, or uh, possibly long-term. So it's a lot of good resources out there. And I'm going to tell you something right now. I only mentioned... Um, a few. There's also 112 out there in Bloomington. My guy Lance Anderson, you know. Uh, shout out to shout out to Lance. Keep doing what you're doing, man. Lance has been a uh, force in the community um, for sobriety. Giving another shout out to my boy Keith too. Um, Keith uh, just had five years of sobriety. There's a lot of people we know out here in the community yep. who have came out of drug dealing, have came out of uh, these nasty situations. And just as much force as they had out there on the streets, running around, mm-hmm. partying, being a popular person, uh, they now are taking that, that force for good. And they're leading people to sobriety. Some of them are leading people to Christ. You know, um, And you're seeing people overcome. Man. Uh, this brother JP from Chicago, man, this guy, straight from the hood, all right, hustler, selling dope, doing his things. I don't know his full story, but what I'm going to tell you is this. We know what Chicago's about. Just yes. like Gary. Yes. All right. You, you, let me tell you something. Minnesota, I love you guys, but you have no clue what heart is. You have no clue what hood is until you get down there. And it's not saying everybody out here is a punk, but what I'm saying is is the, the dynamics in Chicago in the hood and Gary, Indiana, and St. Louis is much, much different than it is up here. That is that is true. <laughs> that is true. And, um, How's, how's your relationship with your son now since you got sober and all that good stuff? Because I've seen people, he's a good-looking kid, man. He's tall, too. Right? I'm still seeing who the milkman might have been. I can't <laughs> believe he's my kid. Um, no, but in all seriousness, man, um, praise God that I had the decent amount of mind to not subject him to it so yeah. i see i've seen so many stories and so many situations where we'd be running around showing up at somebody's house yeah. and the kid wakes up and we're all partying and this kid's like watching that and i know i grew up through that too I, I, i've been back in the day during like the tropics or i've been to places like i said i never dabbled the only drug i ever tried was marijuana i never dabbled in the hearts of but alcohol is a drug if you consider it um, and I just remember just drinking and partying and being at somebody's house at like five, six in the morning and the kid comes out and y'all are still partying. And it's yeah. kind of like, man, that's that all that always stuck with me. It, it really it, wraps that, your head around. Yeah, the situation. it's like, what the hell? And I'm why am I doing this? You know? Yeah. I mean, 
essentially, whether we want to admit it or not, we're co-signing that behavior. Yeah, to that child, I agree. Oh, absolutely, because the child's looking like, oh, they're having fun. I can't wait to do that when I'm older. Absolutely. I remember, you know, me, I, I when I get messed up, I, I'm one of them people I go a 1,000 miles per hour. Yeah. Whether it's baseball, whether I love you, whether I want to fight you, or whether I want to get high, um, like, it's slamming on the freaking pedal, and I'm going full speed, and... It's probably not going to stop stop until God stops me. So, with that being said, I remember being, you know, pretty up there. And I remember seeing these kids. And for me, like, I didn't even want to be around it. Like, there were plenty of times I walked out the house. Or if we were, you know, chilled out on the couches, I'm laying down and putting my head in the pillow and acting like I'm asleep. Like, you know, and and a lot of these other people had, like, no shame whatsoever. Like, they're just looking wild out in front of these kids. And, um it does something to you, you know? And so for me, I could never subject my kid to that. So yeah. my, I remember my son's mom uh, had said, you know, thank you for not subjecting him to that. She's like, I always appreciated it because you would just disappear. Now I would call and let them know I'm okay or message and text. Um, but I never wanted him to see like what I look like. So even to this day, like my son knows the stories of addiction, mm-hmm. But he can't really understand. He'll joke around with me. Like, oh, my dad used to do drugs. You know, and I'm like, uh, you can't yeah. be saying that out loud. Yeah. <laughs> but he um, <laughs> he doesn't know what that looks like. Yeah. So for him, it's not real. And okay. for so many kids. It's real. It's real. It's real, yeah. real. And it does something to those young kids. It does. It does. Well, is there anything else you want to say before we wrap this up real quick? Oh, man. Because I feel like we covered a lot of topics. We did. We man. did. And uh, it went by quick, too, man. We, we didn't spend enough time on that uh, that hair of yours back in the night. <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah, so just how far we go back, man. He knew me when I had, like, the big natural curls in my hair, you know. I'm talking about curls for the girls. Some people say <laughs> Soul Glow. I could have been a spokesperson for Soul Glow, but, yes. I actually used to have hair. There is pictures on it on my Facebook. <laughs> Somewhere, I'm sure somebody was going to dig it out now, but yeah, <laughs> hey, you know what? I will pay for that picture. <laughs> All right, you go ahead, Nick Laflamme on Facebook. I want to see that picture of Big Freddy with that hair, and, but, and we'll get it moving, man. But we got to do this more often. It's been a while since we've seen each other besides Facebook and yeah. connect like this, man. And I just want to say thank you for putting yourself out there and showing and sharing everybody your story, man. Yeah, you know, and um, I, I like to end things on a solid note. I do this at uh, AA and stuff. Um, but I, I just I just pray that if you're listening to my voice right now and you're struggling, I want you to know it's okay. I want you to know that you are loved. You are worthy of everything good that the world has to offer you, that the universe has to offer to you. You have the power inside of you to change You have the power to do anything you want, but it has to start deep inside with your own self-love. So if you're struggling with addiction, please go get help. You know, you can call Freddie up, reach out. You know, I've said my name a few times. You can reach out to me. Uh, Confidentiality is is always important. Um, But this this battle in life, we're all doing it together. So the next time we want to, you know, crack jokes on people or, uh, or or be mean, you know, you never know what that person across from you or who's walking by you is going through. You never know what what uh, battles they're fighting. Um, some people hide it better. Some people don't. But we need to just love people and we need to encourage them and empower them. There's plenty 
of room at this table of life for everybody to be successful, for everybody to eat, for everybody to embrace love and have it. I agree with you that. I'm just going to end it on this. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Reach out. Reach out. I'm also going to end it on this. It's 2020. We got to stop the hate. Amen. We're all God's children. We all bleed the same. Amen. Let's stop the hate. I'm saying that again. I'm going to say it a third time. Let's stop the hate because I still... Hate. I know. I still can't believe racism still exists in 2020. Yeah, we got it. You know what? That's not to to keep this moving, but love is such a powerful thing. Now, I'm a believer in Christ, but there is a complete scientific um, fact that the energy we put out, we get back, and that the energy we put out to things affects things. Yes. Uh, Doctor Masaru Emoto talks about water and the energy of words. They've actually shown that the word love can crystallize into an amazingly beautiful crystal that they've never seen. Mm -hmm. And in the next breath, in the controlled environment, when they put hate in there, it actually shows it getting brown and dingy and growing up. So, you know, the Bible talks about it. The law of attraction talks about it. When you when you speak things in the existence, there is so much energy and power. So be careful about the way you say things to people. Be careful about the way... Um, you talk about people, even yourself, because we're always absorbing stuff. You ever see negative people? Yeah. All right. And what happens? Negativity enters the room. Absolutely. <laughs> and what else happens? They always draw negative people towards them, right? That is correct. They say that you are equivalent of the five people you put yourself around. So if you put yourself around a bunch of dope dealers, you're going to sell dope. You put yourself in a barbershop enough, you're going to get a haircut. You put yourself around amazing people who have a thirst for life. And who want to be the best that they can be. And you're going to start to take on that that personality, that character. And you're going to start to believe in yourself. I say this all the time, man. If you hang around with me long enough, you might screw around and start believing in yourself way past the moon and beyond. Because I truly believe that every single person has the power to be great. They just need people around them who believe in them instead of discouraging them. And we will end it on that note. Just want to say thank you guys for listening. And I'm very proud of this episode. And feel free to share this. Have people listen that are going through something. And thank you guys for your time. This is probably one of the longest. We had 56. <laughs> yeah, we only get 60 minutes. But Hey, thank you, Freddie, for having me on the show. And please, people, this, this gentleman has a passion for this. Support him. Show him love. Um, I have a feeling that we're going to see big things from this gentleman. Uh, for a very long time to come so uh again thank you you're a class act and you've always been a great person thank you man and we'll know that note god we're all god's children love you all